throughout history. So we'll go ahead and open with a, a quick word of prayer before we get started. Most honorable Father, in the blessed name of Jesus, we humbly come before your throne of grace, Lord. We thank you for this opportunity to study your word. We ask, Father, that you would clear the highway between us and thee. Open our minds and our eyes and our ears and our hearts so that we may receive your word. We ask that you write it on our minds and our hearts that we will not sin against you. We thank you again for this opportunity to study and to um, digest your word and to apply it into our lives. In the name of Jesus, we pray. And we ask for the spirit of God to be with us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 So this morning on Sabbath school, we had a good talk about education in the church. And it was pointed out that church can be a very enjoyable and uh, fun and actually entertaining experience. But we're also called to learn, learn more about Jesus and more about what he wants for us and what he expects from us and what we can expect from him. So uh, it's the same with our discipleship classes. We want uh, to learn more about Christ, more about his prophecies that he has given us, more about his love for us, and more about his soon return. And as we stated in class this morning, um, everyone is free to ask questions, and everyone is free to answer questions based on what you've studied from God's word, because uh, we're all here to learn. Nobody knows all the answers. And even when we get to heaven, we'll still be learning throughout the ages of, of time, we're still going to be learning. So don't think you know everything and don't think that you're going to learn everything in one session of our classes. But we want everyone to participate as you feel comfortable, okay? So on yeah. chapter three, it starts out, says, a key to history and understanding of the hope of Christ's second coming is the key that unlocks all the history that follows and explains all the future lessons. I want to ask, how is it that understanding the hope of Christ's second coming is a key that unlocks history? What do you understand from that? Anyone? Understand from what? An understanding of the hope of Christ's second coming. How is that a key that unlocks history? To me, I said, when I think of his second coming, I have to go back to history and learn when he was first here, what he was doing while he was here, which he came down to save us on the cross. But he was here ministering to people that was poor, sick, healing the blind and stuff. That gives me a history that God was about taking care of his father's business. Then it leads me into me thinking, well, his second coming, that's the same thing he wants me to be about. He wants me to be about helping to, to, to lead people to him. Excellent. Very good. Anyone else comments on that? If you know that Christ is coming, that his second coming is imminent, does that change your view of the events that occur nowadays or that, ha that have occurred in the past? Well, that's very interesting because I was having a conversation with my husband about um, some of the things that we're seeing now happening. Mm -hmm. And I, I was I was just making a comment that um, that a lot of things that we're seeing are prophesized about. So they may not necessarily be what they appear to be. Um, you know, for instance, uh, people being accused of things. 
Well, Spirit of Prophecy tells us that that the righteous are going to be accused of all kinds of things. And it's not true, but that's the devil, that's the enemy's attack upon the righteous. And so if you know prophecy, you know not to believe everything that you read or everything that you hear, especially if it's attacking God's people. Hmm. Okay, excellent point. Anyone else comment on that? What do you think about in, in light of Christ's second coming? What do you think about the current pandemic we're going through? Well, the Bible says that 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 you know wars, pestilence, rumors of wars, all that stuff is gonna come upon the earth. Mm -hmm. We know that God is not the one actually doing it, but he's allowing it, and that prophecy must be fulfilled prior to Jesus's return. So you know, we just we just have to make sure that we make our calling and election sure that we put our hand in Christ. You know, he never promised that we would not go through something. He just promised that we, he would be with us. Right. He said it's the beginning of sorrows. It's the beginning of sorrows. Okay. Yeah, so when we think about, you know, and it's not just talking about just specifically Christ's second coming, but everything that we've read surrounding it, about it, involving it. So throughout your studies of Christ's second coming, we do come to learn that these things that are occurring on earth, they've already been prophesied to happen. And they are part of the world coming to an end before Christ comes. So that whatever happens on this planet, it might surprise us for a moment, but it doesn't shock us because we've already been forewarned that these things are going to happen. And it's all part of the ultimate plan. So that what goes on now, we know that ultimately it's what God is allowing to happen so that Christ may come. As we see times getting even worse, you know, things are not going to get better. Ultimately, they're going to get worse. But again, we know this. God has already told us up front, uh, as Paul says, so that that day doesn't come upon you unaware. The Lord's already warned us, already told us in advance. So when things start happening, uh, we can know it's just another sign that Christ is soon to return. Think about things in the past too, the, the dark day, the sun turned, the, the moon turned to blood, the stars falling from heaven. All those are precursors of Christ's second coming. So it just adds kind of an overall view to everything that goes on in this world's history. Uh, if we look towards the second paragraph talking about Enoch, who was Enoch anyway? Seventh from Adam. And, yeah. Seventh uh, person on the he earth. Walked, he walked with the Lord. Seventh. What does that mean when you say he walked with the Lord? Um, that doesn't mean that he didn't sin, but that he um, submitted his will, submitted his heart to the Lord completely. Mm -hmm. okay. Was he just walking with the Lord physically? Like he taking no. a walk to the park? Spiritually. Spiritually. Okay, spiritually. Now he's walking with him physically. Now he's physically with him. Okay, says. Uh, that Enoch knew about Christ's second coming. He says, behold, he, the Lord comes with 10,000 of his saints. And then it says the godly character of the prophet, talking about Enoch, 
is to represent the state of holiness to which the people of God must attain who expect to what? Who expect to be translated to heaven. So we have to have that character of Enoch. And as Karen was mentioning, it doesn't mean he was perfect, but that his heart was towards God. In his heart, he wanted to do everything possible to please God and follow God. So mm -hmm. we're not going to attain perfection on this earth only through the grace of Christ will we ever attain perfection. But our heart has to be leaning towards God mm -hmm. in order for us to be saved. And there is, if you look around, there are plenty of people whose hearts are not leaning towards God, right? Oh, it's absolutely. Yeah, sad to say, but there's plenty of people who don't believe in God, plenty of people who believe but could care less, plenty of people who try and discourage you from believing in God. So not everyone's going to have that type of character uh, to be translated to heaven when the Lord returns. It talks about sacrifices, talking about the earthly sacrifices of lambs and goats and pigeons and all those things. What were those, what were those for? Um, sorry, I couldn't hear you speak up, please. She may not have been talking to you, Percy. I mean, oh, <laughs> Lee. Okay. Yeah, what were those sacrifices for? What were they to remind the people of? That blood had to be shed for their sin. Okay. Anything else? Jesus they were, sacrifice. yeah, they were, they were a type and shadow of Christ to come and um, that um, he was the one that takes away the sins of the world. Okay. Suppose you, suppose the people didn't have those sacrifices to remind them. What do you think would have happened? They would have, um. They would have fallen to sin much sooner than, than they did. Yeah, they would have. And much deeper. Savior, and much right? deeper. Yeah. Yeah, they wouldn't have remembered the Savior. Remember when the Israelites came out of slavery, they had forgot all about God. Pretty much, they had turned into uh, Babylonians. You know, they had forgot all about keeping God's commandments and doing His will. So the Lord gives us a reminder that He is the Creator, and that He has a Savior in Jesus Christ, who has been given to the world for salvation. And if you don't sometimes have a reminder that you have a meeting coming up, it just slips your mind, right? If you don't have a reminder that you're supposed to take out the trash or take your car to the shop, it's very easy to slip your mind with everything else going. So the sacrifices were to remind people of a coming Savior. Did the sacrifices themselves save the people? No, 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 no. Why not? What would be the point of doing it then? As, like you said, as a reminder and pointing forward to a coming savior, so. And to give hope to people, be that um, this wasn't all that there is, that there is someone's coming to help. Mm -hmm. And it also showed their faith in the promise. So it's just like when we keep the Sabbath holy, it's a reminder of up to us of who the real creator is and our allegiance to him. And it shows our faith in his word and in his promise, right? Mm -hmm. Then once a year, uh, their minds were carried forward to the closing event of the great controversy 
and the final purification of the universe from sin and sinners. That once a year event that the Israelites held, does anyone recall what that was called? The day of the day of atonement. Yeah, I'm sorry, atonement. That's what I meant. Mm -hmm. When all the sins of the people were put onto the head representing the devil and then done away with. And that's a precursor of the final purification of the universe from sin and sinners when Christ returns to execute judgment. And how about the Passover lamb? What was that a shadow of? Of Christ. And, and, he, that, he, and that he would be slain. Right, the slaying of the Passover lamb. Do you realize Jesus' crucifixion happened during the same time period that they were supposed to slay the Passover lamb? Mm -hmm. Passover week, yep. Yeah, he was the true Passover lamb. So mm -hmm. once he was sacrificed, what happened to all the other sacrifices that people were doing? They became they unnecessary. Why was it unnecessary? Because the, the one who sacrificed everything was Christ. That was the whole deal. It was a substitution until he came. Right. Excellent. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that was just until he came. And once he came, they didn't need to do that anymore. It was showing that he is coming. Once he came, that was it. You know, so now where do we go when we want to ask forgiveness and uh, for salvation? Where do we go now? We're able to come boldly before the throne. Yeah. You know, you know what else, uh, Lee, on that sacrificial mm -hmm. lamb. Um, remember the blood that they shed. The lambs really couldn't uh, pay the price for sin. It had to be from Christ for the remission of sin. Amen. The lamb's blood didn't do any good, huh? Right. Right. <laughs> okay. Uh, Let's go, go down to paragraph 21.1, where it talks about the good news. What is the good news that it's talking about? Gospel message. Which is? Um, that there is salvation through faith in Christ and yeah. that um, we have hope of eternal life through obeying the gospel message. Mm -hmm. The gospel is telling others that Christ died for our sins, right? Mm -hmm. Sometimes I think we try and make it too hard, but generally speaking, that's what it is. You tell somebody that, hey, you don't have to live in sin. Jesus died to take away sin, to take away the penalty of sin. And that would be giving the gospel message. So what part do we play in this gospel message? Spread it, tell it to the world. Teach, baptize, and teach. What'd you say? I said teach, baptize, and teach. Teach, baptize, and teach. Okay. Anyone else? What what part do we play? We can plant seeds. Very good. How do we do that? Talk to people about uh, Christ, Jesus. Yeah. I mean, God. How come it seems so hard to do? No, some hard. Sometimes you feel people are going to reject what you're saying. Like, I don't want to hear it. And we shouldn't be <laughs> rejecting the bus. They're rejecting the Christ. But we shouldn't take it personal. We putting up and I think, too, sometimes people are on different levels. 
where you may you may be able to get through someone and but then there's another person that doesn't hear you and another sister or brother may be talking with them and it clicks. Hmm. We put rules and regulations on how we're supposed to do it and what we're supposed to do and when we're supposed mm-hmm. to I think it's too much overthinking going on. Mm-hmm. Find the Lord to work through us and talk to us and speak to us. We have to figure out, you know, we have our checklist. Did I say this, 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 and this? You like follow a script or something. Yeah, yeah. So, and if it's mm. not done the way we have um, decided it's supposed to be done, then, you know, we feel like we haven't done the right thing. Okay. So that sounds a little bit pharisaical then, that rules and regulations are being put on what Christ wants us to do. What did he say in Matthew? He said, Go ye therefore to all the world. He just said, go ye therefore and teach. Mm-hmm. He didn't put any design on it. He didn't say you got to do it this way. He didn't say use these resources or don't use those. He just said, go and teach. But like uh, everyone's been saying, we're putting too many rules on it. We're overthinking it. We're scared somebody's going to reject us. And we, he didn't ask us to do all that. He just said, go. I remember uh, Alex Bryant, the uh, new NAD president, he had said that one guy came and spoke at their commencement and his whole commencement message was go. And he just kept (laughs) repeating the word go all this time. Go, go, you know. I don't know if I would have liked that particular message, but he made the point, just go. Nobody's putting restrictions on you. Nobody's telling you how to do it what to do it with, when to do it, who to do it with, or to. There are no restrictions. Just tell somebody about Jesus. That's all he asked us to do. He'll take on the rest. Uh, It says, uh, John in the Revelation foretells proclamation of the gospel message just before Christ's second coming. And when we read Revelation 14, what do we typically call that chapter? Revelation 14, certain number of beings message. Three angels message. <laughs> the, three the, the three angels message. Yeah, the three angels message. So he says he behold an angel flying in the midst of heaven, having the everlasting gospel to preach to them that dwell on the earth, to every nation, kindred, and tongue, and people, saying with a loud voice, fear God and give glory to him, for the hour of his judgment is come. And that prophecy is warning of the judgment, which is followed by the coming of the Son of Man, Jesus Christ, in the clouds of heaven. And the proclamation of the judgment is an announcement of Christ's second coming is soon to occur. And this proclamation is called the everlasting gospel. Do we have a part to play in that everlasting gospel? All day, every day. Yeah, that's a good way of putting it. All day, every day, we continue to witness to Christ and let it, let others know that he is soon to return. I've had some people tell me uh, personally that they don't know what's going to occur, but they just have a feeling something big is going to occur. Has anyone else had that experience? No, because we know. We read the Bible. We understand. We expect it. No, I mean from someone else. Has anyone... One of your friends or relatives ever told you, 
hey, I think something's going to happen, but I don't know what. Yes, yes. And what did you say to him? Well, I said, if something's going to happen, well, the person I talked to, they be saying, well, I believe it's something. I don't believe, I don't know if it's a guy, but I believe it's something. Like mm-hmm. that. Right. I think a lot of people realize something's going to happen, but they don't know what. But again, this is why that message has to go around to every nation, kindred, tongue, and people so that people will know, oh, this is what's going to happen. Jesus is getting ready to return, you know, to prepare people for a prepared place. So we have to do our part as Christ's disciples and let others know, you know, when they seem confused or lost about what's happening, you know, you have every right to give your opinion, you know, about how you feel about what's going to occur and then come from the scriptures with it and let them know, yeah, there's something going to happen and this is what it is. You know, it's, it's one thing if you've ever been sick or felt ill or dizzy or your foot hurt or something that you feel really confused and lost until the doctor says, oh, this is what that's caused by. Then you feel a little bit at ease that now you know exactly what it is at least. So it's the same way when people have a feeling something's going to happen, but they don't know what. When you come and say, oh, I can tell you what's going on, and you explain the coming of Christ, then they feel a little bit more at ease that, okay, now I at least have an idea of what's going on. I don't feel so lost and confused about it. So we have to remember to do our part in spreading the gospel of Christ. Has anyone seen any other any other examples or any other symptoms or symbols that Christ is soon to return? What have you seen personally that makes you think his coming is near? Well, we know about wars and rumors of wars, famine, pestilence, um, earthquakes in diverse places, right? Mm-hmm. What'd you say, Alvina? Climate change. Yeah. Any other, anything else? Um, we, also, we also know what is predicted in the Bible about um, men's hearts and uh, uh, um, mm-hmm. people uh, not having love for one another, you know, that kind of thing. Yep. Mm-hmm. Love of many waxing cold. What about the pain? Mm-hmm. That's kind of a sign. Mm-hmm. Famines, pestilences. Mm-hmm. Fires. Uh, Lakita, you heard of a rumor of war. Oh, yeah. yeah, apparently something's going on with Iraq. No, Iran. Iran. Oh, Iran. Uh, yeah. 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 See, I, I hadn't even heard of that. but And when you really pay attention to the news, one thing that you'll notice, it seems like there's always war going on somewhere. And plenty seen in the past four years. Y'all know I hate to say something about that. What's that? What'd you say? Seen in the past four years how um, the political oh. climate can change so quickly. Right. How rules can be, you know, enter in, uh, put in place that can deny you all your freedoms. Right now, the move to try to have all of the votes turned over mm-hmm. so just so that they can win. So, mm-hmm. yeah. I have a question. Mm-hmm. It's Christina. So, we look at different signs and wonders. Uh, that has to transpire before the second coming. And these signs are, I just asked King to look up the date 
for, um, I believe it was the stars that were to fall and then the sun was to turn to blood. Well, Mm -hmm. a lot of those Mm -hmm. things was hundreds of years, like a hundred, more than a hundred years ago. And I, I just feel like sometimes we try to put a time to the signs because we, I mean, I know, I mean, back in the biblical days, they were saying how close they were to the coming. Um, and even in 1844, which we know that was a great disappointment. So I think my goal when I hear that, I mean, I know I, I need to be aware of those things, but I need to be ready every single day because I don't know when my time will be sealed, when my death, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So we put a lot of time and we try to figure out it's the time very soon in our time span and our time and our life span. I mean, that's, we would never know until that day comes. Right. And realistically, realistically, Christ comes for us at the moment of our death, because that's the next thing we will know. Mm-hmm. It's a good point. Our probation could end individually at any moment. So watch and be ready. Right. Yeah. So oh, yeah, don't come out. Tomorrow's not promised to anyone because you don't know when you're going to die. That's why you got to be ready. It's, it's very soon because you don't know when you're going to die. Because when you're dead, you wake up, you wake up in Christ. And we are to watch the signs because there's some specific things that we're going to be called to do. For example, leave, leave and go into the wilderness. So you have to pay very close attention to the movements that's going on around you. Not that you know what date is going to happen. But another thing is if you're not... Uh, if you're not practicing daily to follow Christ, if you're not relinquishing your life daily to follow Christ, you're not going to be watching for any signs anyway. You're not going to care. You're not going to hear. It's just like the people in Noah's day. You know, Noah preached 120 years. The ark was actually built in 70 years. And then there was, you know, the remaining time was him preaching about it. And, and, and the people lost I want to say any sense of maybe this could be true <laughs> because mm-hmm. they were waiting and they, and so they became, you know, scoffers, most of them. Yeah. And, and we find that throughout history that people have said, even in the scriptures, they said, Hey, y'all been preaching about this for hundreds of years and ain't nothing happened. Well, people are doing that now too. Well, those Adventists have been preaching that for so long. Well, all that tells us is that it's even nearer than when we first started preaching it. Because I, I have another question. Mm-hmm. I have another question. What are the seven seals? Does anyone know by, I would have to look it up in Revelation, but what are the seven seals? Because those are the, the, the things that will be happening in a rapid succession before the coming. Well, the, se- the, about- the seven seals actually represent Earth's history. And right now we're in the pause between the sixth and the seventh seal. Mm, and the seventh really? seal being, yes, we're in the pause. The seventh seal is when Christ actually is going to return to the earth. So the seals just represent the unfolding of Earth's history down through the time right. and down through the ages. I thought that was going to happen. I thought that was going to happen again in modern modern time. No, we're we're in we're in between the sixth and the seventh seal right now. 
Okay. But what are, okay. Can we talk about those seven seals or do we have time? That's really a subject for its own study. Study, yeah. Yeah, Karen has studied a little bit on it, I guess, but that's a serious, uh, and it is just like the, um, the church dispensations, Laodicean, Berean, et cetera, those are uh, dispensations of earth history, just like the seals are. Mm -hmm. I like this event's going to occur literally necessarily, but that it's a time period that occurs. So and I'll tell you, uh, be a good for an upcoming study. I'll tell you a good uh, reference for that, Christina, is um, 3ABN has a show called, uh, I think it's Symbols and Signs or Signs and Symbols, and you can look mm -hmm. it up on YouTube. Uh, and uh, they do an excellent study on that. That's with Pastor Ivor Myers. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, oh, yeah. Okay, what's the name of that? that, that, that um, wait a minute, let me, let, me, let me get it right. I think it is Signs and Symbols. I just wanna give the right reference. Yeah. I think it's signs and symbols. I'll send you the link to it, Christina. What about me? Can you send it to me too? <laughs> oh, sure. Sure. Me, me, me too. Uh, yeah, just send it to everybody. Sure. Yeah, I'll just send it to everybody. <laughs> <laughs> and I'll post it on my Facebook page in case anybody that's watching wants to actually look it up also. Okay, thanks. Thank yeah, you. Interesting studies. And one of the things yeah. that, that we want to remember is all of these things are pointing to Christ's second coming. Just like when Jesus taught the disciples to pray thy kingdom come, it was something in the future. The disciples wanted Christ. They thought it was happening now, immediately that he was going to come into his kingdom in his glory and put down the Romans and uplift the Jewish race, et cetera. But he told him, no, his kingdom's not now, it's in the future. And that's the same way we are when we speak of God's kingdom, it's still in the future. It's not, it hasn't um, happened yet. It's going oh. to come. And that's what these signs and symbols are telling us is still yet to come. Now, all of the signs that have been, all the prophecies that have been given have occurred, like Karen says, we're in the, between the last one and uh, the the uh, sun turned to blood, et cetera, moon to blood, stars falling, all those have occurred. The only thing left is Christ's second coming. And the last, last movements will be rapid. So when the time of trouble actually hits, it's going to occur so fast. I mean, other people, I know I've been saying this for a while, but it seemed like the days are just going by so fast and other people have been saying the same thing it seemed like we were just at january 1st yeah and now here um, we're at the end of the year let me give that uh correct um uh site to look up on youtube for the anybody mm -hmm. else that's watching it's called salvation in symbols and signs and uh if you type that in on youtube it'll pull up uh, it, it should it should pull up the program on dare to dream network and uh, right now, it looks like there's 94 um, programs in there. Hey, uh, uh, Karen? Yes. This is not the same thing as the seven last plagues, is it? It's not the same thing. 
Well, they touch on the seven last plagues. So they do a they, they do a study of the book of Revelation. But it's a diff, it's different than the seven seals, right? Yes. Okay, cool. I'll finish that. Yes. I had a comment, Elder Carroll, when you okay. were saying about what you were talking about. I think that's one one thing when you're witnessing the people now, they think everything is supposed to be seen instantly. And they don't, and a lot of people will say, I ain't got time to go back and, and study, but just tell me what's, what's happening now. And I'm like, <laughs> but until you read it and understand it uh, and the word of God, they're going to miss something. And, and like I said, they're, they're wanting to see instant things. And I said, and it's no different than those people back in 1844 that was disappointed. We have a society now that instant is good. If I can't have it instantly and see it, then I'm not going to believe it. Mm. The microwave society. We want everything now. Mm. Um, but, you know, the thing about it is if Christ had given us a date when he was returning, people would just wait till the day before <laughs> and try and give their lives. And there'd You're be right. people lost. Because it just doesn't work that way. Yeah, so he's letting us know, be also ready for you don't know what day the Son of Man is going to return. So we're called to watch and pray, to always be uh, prayerful, to always keep our eyes open, our spiritual eyes open to the Lord's uh, voice speaking to us, to his Holy Spirit, opening our eyes to his word. You know, and we have to start paying more attention to things, too. Uh, there's so many people who just wander around the planet in a zombaic state, not really paying attention to what's going on in life, just floating through happening that are of great importance. And again, if you if you know some of the things happening in the world, like uh, I think Alvina mentioned global warming, a lot of people don't believe that's happening. But if you pay attention and do some research, you'll see that things are changing. They are changing. The climate's changing. If you pay attention and do some research, you'll see how many countries are at war with one another. You'll see how much hatred and racism is going on around the country. You'll also see how many uh, miracles are still occurring by God's grace. But so many times we just go, we wake up, we go to work, we come home, we go to sleep, and we just repeat that cycle over and over again not recognizing that life is passing us by. So let's keep our spiritual eyes and our physical eyes open because miracles are occurring right around us. And we don't want to be one of those who, uh, who the latter rain is falling all around everybody but you. You don't want right. to be a person. So let's stay prayerful. Let's keep our hearts open for God's voice uh, so that we can hear when he calls us to do different things like Lakita had mentioned. There will be a call for people to leave the cities. Uh, there will be a call for people to give their means to the work of God, et cetera. And if our spiritual ears are closed, we're not going to hear that call. So let's keep our eyes and our ears uh, tuned to heaven. Uh, we were reading earlier this morning in our devotion that if we just can learn to keep our eyes on God, this life wouldn't seem so bad to people. You know, if we can focus our eyes on the Lord instead of the problems we run into, if we keep our thoughts on God instead of thoughts on evil things that are occurring, 
then our lives would be a taste of heaven, even on this sinful earth. Uh, that's something that we need to cultivate as Christians. That way, some problems won't bother us so much. You know, so what the light bills do? God is on the throne. He's getting ready to return. You know, so what? I Amen. got a car, et cetera. That stuff's important in its own sense, but it's not as important as being ready for Jesus' return. So let's all try and keep our eyes stayed on him and not on these things of the earth. We're just pilgrims and strangers here, right? We look looking for our bus transfer back to heaven. Uh, on paragraph 23.1, so we're talking about the second coming and history. Before Christ comes, we had mentioned earlier, the gospel shall be preached in all the world for witness unto all nations. Do you know mm -hmm. how many nations the gospel has reached? Anybody? Ooh. Hmm. Anybody know how many nations or how many are left? Is it 200 and something? That is yeah, reached? it's over 200. And apparently there's only like seven or eight places that have not heard the gospel. That have not heard the gospel message at all. So it's not very very many people on the planet that have not had opportunity to hear about Christ. And when they, he says, when the gospel shall be preached into all the world for witness, then shall the end come. So as we give ourselves to God to win other souls to him, we're hastening the coming of his kingdom. And Sister White writes in one of her other books that if the people of God had done what God asked, asked them to do, he would have already come. Mm -hmm. And God is not slack delaying his coming, but he wants as many people as possible to be saved. Mm -hmm. And when I, when I read that uh, verse, I always think, well, I'm kind of glad they didn't because I wouldn't have been here. But that's, you know, neither mm -hmm. here nor there. <laughs> It's very interesting thought, though, isn't it? Mm -hmm. uh -huh. So our, we have a part to play again in hastening God's, uh, hastening Christ's second coming. So again, let's do our part to be faithful witnesses. Uh, now, here's something that you'll hear a lot about on 23.2, paragraph 23.2. There are so many people given different ways that Jesus is going to return uh, some people say he's already returned. Some people say uh, he's going to come in this way and he's going to show up like this. But when we read in in uh, Acts 1.11, the angels, when Jesus ascended to heaven, what did the angels say to the disciples there? They said, why stand ye gazing up into heaven? Uh, that Jesus that you see going up is going to come in the like, like manner. Mm-hmm. So he's going to come back the same way he went up, right? Mm -hmm. yep. So it's not going to be some unknown way. But, you know, we were watching some documentary and this guy, he was people were saying that this guy was Jesus. And the guy, he's walking around in a three piece suit <laughs> and all these women following after him and people, you know, and he's riding around in Rolls Royce and stuff. Is that how Jesus went to heaven? Yeah. Rolls Royce? No. no. He didn't go to heaven in a Rolls Royce. You know, but people don't don't know. They don't study the scriptures and they don't listen and they don't pay attention 
there's going to be a lot of people fooled by these false Christs coming, so much so that it might even fool the very elect. So that's another reason we need to keep studying, keep praying, keep our eyes focused on Christ so that we won't be deceived. Because when times get tough, you know, a lot of people thought, uh, what was that guy's name back in the 20s, the black preacher, Reverend Ike, a lot of people thought he was Jesus returned to earth because he was feeding people and, you know, he was a public figure. But we know that wasn't Jesus. A lot of people think the Dalai Lama is Jesus returned. That's not Jesus. You know, we don't want to be fooled. And the devil is very slick so much that he can fool even those who have studied and are, are paying attention. And there will be a lot of people fooled by these so-called Christ. He says there are people be coming in my name saying, here's Christ or there he is over there. Don't believe it. Believe what the word, what thus saith the Lord. Amen. 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 Yeah, so we want to be careful about that. Uh, let's see. Let's go down to 24.3. John saw the history of God's people. He was strengthened to live in the presence of his glorified Lord. We were watching this uh, documentary about this guy. He went to a deserted island for 300 days. He didn't have anything with him. I think he had a satellite phone and a knife or machete and that was about it. So he had to survive out there on this uh, land by himself. And he was, by the eighth day, he was already lonely. And then he, you know, he was getting lonely and just despondent and discouraged. And I was thinking about John the Revelator out on Patmos. Mm -hmm. And I was like, wow, this is, and Patmos is a rocky island, no trees or nothing. Mm. And he was out there, but who did he have with him? Jesus. Yeah, he had companionship. He had the Lord. And the Lord used him to write the book of Revelation out on the Isle of Patmos. And he encouraged millions of people with those writings that God gave him with the visions and prophecies in figures and symbols. Uh, suspects of subjects of vast importance were presented to John, which he recorded so that the people of God living in his time and future times might have an intelligent understanding of all the perils and conflicts before them. So once again, God is giving us warning of what's to come so that we can be also ready and be prepared for it. Um, have you ever been, have you ever felt alone or lonely? I mean, just because you're alone doesn't mean you're lonely, right? Right. You ever right. lonely? Have you ever felt like you're the only one left? Felt like nobody else feels the way that you do? Well, we've all probably felt that way, hopefully just for a short amount of time, and it has led to depression. But we have to remember, Jesus is always with us. Mm -hmm. He's by your side. He's always there to uphold you, to lift you up. Remember, he says, I am. Whatever you need, he is that. He is always whatever you need. So we should never be discouraged or downhearten for too long. Sometimes you do get hit by stuff and you get a little discouraged, but then you have to remember Christ is always with me. Just like John the Revelator, he knew Christ was always with him and he managed to continue to uh, serve the Lord faithfully 
even out there on that island by himself. So here we are around our families and friends. We're not out on the Isle of Patmos. Can, can we at least allow Jesus to use us around our family and friends? Is that asking too much? Is he asking too much from us? No. Nope. We must have a knowledge nope. of the scriptures. Must have a knowledge of the scriptures to trace down the lines of prophecy and see that the second coming of Christ is approaching so that with increased zeal and effort, we can exhort one another to faithfulness. We have to be encouraging to each other, not discouraging. And it's going to take scriptural knowledge. So another reason for us to study and pray so that when the time comes, the Lord says we can be able to explain uh, the reason for our hope and also study those things uh, so that we can help up, encourage and uplift others. Should we give up our faith waiting on Jesus? No. Fast our faith. Mm. Yeah. Should we lose our confidence waiting on Jesus? No. No. I'm impatient? No. no. Prophecies are continually being, being filled. We need to lift up our heads and rejoice knowing that Christ's second coming is coming. And as we had mentioned, it's nearer now than when we first believed. It's our job to help make a people ready to stand uh, before Christ's uh, final reckoning. And that's our job as his Christian servants and witnesses. Says his promise gives us courage. More than 1,800 years have passed since the Savior gave the promise of his coming. How many years have actually passed since Jesus died? <laughs> that was a trick question. You go ahead and add it up. 2,300 days. 2,020. <laughs> what are you talking about? I said, two, I said 2,300 days and then some. How many years, uh, uh, Lee? 2,020. Did you this count is, the zero 20, year? This is twenty twenty. This, this year, year twenty twenty. <laughs> Did you count the zero year? Because if if that's the case, if you didn't count it, you got to count the zero year. Look, Karen getting technical. <laughs> <laughs> Since you threw that out there so quickly, <laughs> it's not a trick question. This has been dead. Uh, was uh, crucified, not dead. He rose again, but he was crucified. 2020 years ago approximately so we know that that many years have gone by since he promised to return but the word is still sure that's what we have to bank on that he promised it and he's going to do it you know many of us have parents or loved ones or spouses whoever that when they promise something you know they're going to fulfill that promise right that's how jesus is he promised he's going to return we got to stand by that promise, just like we stand by all the promises that he gives us in his holy Bible. Amen. Mm-hmm. Let's do our part. And remember, it's an opportunity. It's a privilege to, to be able to tell someone that Christ is soon to return and then to point out things in history that have occurred. And also even tell people what to look forward to in the future to know that Jesus is giving us these signs to let us know his coming is getting very close. And before we know it, he's going to be parting the clouds of heaven. And uh, we'll be saying, oh, this is our God. We have waited for him and he will save us. That's going to be a blessed day uh, when Jesus comes. Amen.
Amen. That's one of the beautiful one of the beautiful things about being in the truth. It just it, it it's like an early warning system. <laughs> yeah. That's a good point. We already know, right? And it's our opportunity to tell others and let others know that Christ is soon to return. Okay, if there's any other comments on that, if not, we'll uh, go ahead and take special prayer requests. Do we usually do that online? Yeah. Are there special prayer requests? Yes, I have one. Okay. For the for the North Side uh, Community Service uh, members. Yeah, we heard that a lot of people had gotten sick. Mm-hmm. Okay, so North Side Community Service. Any other? Um, again, for our son Charlie, who's being deployed to Africa, and for right. Andre's cousin uh, Keisha, who has COVID and the flu. Mm-hmm. And just for the Lord to, for my family, for the Lord to just help us to have a closer walk with him and to be ready when he comes. Okay. Mm-hmm. And to bless us, continue to bless us throughout this pandemic and, and throughout our time on this earth. Mm-hmm. Others? Yes. And um, for my whole family and especially for my children's spiritual growth and for my cousin Janelle Cunningham, health, physical health. Okay. And her family, her, her boyfriend family. All right. Yeah, uh, more. A closer walk with uh, the Lord, uh, baptism of the Holy Spirit and his continued protection. Okay. Okay. Okay, if um, Karen, you can go ahead and take us offline. We appreciate everyone who tuned in online. Appreciate our participation. Before we go off, uh, next week we we will be studying from Testimonies for the Church, Volume 1, Chapter 76, The Cause in the East. Okay. And any other special prayer requests? Oh, let me oh. add my let me add my mental health. Mental health. And all the frontline uh, workers, particularly in the in the medical field, they have to battle this thing head on. Yeah. Keep- and Elder Carol, add me too, because they won't give me any more diabetic medicine until I go see the doctor. So I will be seeing the doctor on Tuesday. Okay. Lee, did you want to pray before or after going offline? We'll we'll get offline and then have special prayer. Okay. What'd you say, Lakita? Sure. Yeah, and then we'll Okay. Let's bow our heads for a word of special prayer then.